You are listening to the Legendarium Blue Team. You have chosen wisely. Go to patreon.com slash legendarium to support the show. I have a hard time visualizing what some of these battle scenes would look like. Yeah, okay. So I don't get immersed in them as much as others might. Like, Ken. Why are you looking at me? Like, Ken? (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Um, Could you say that with more disdain? (laughs) Welcome to the Legendarium. We are the blue team. We're the indigo team. I like that. Indigo team. Aren't we both indigo teams, though? What? No. Why not? They're like Azure team. I don't know. I don't know what they are, but we're... I mean, we're the blue team, uh, well, and when we like, add you in, we get to, we get to be indigo. Well, and they're red, and they mixed Megan in, so isn't it still the same color? No, no, no because they're more red than they are blue. Oh, right. okay. So they would have to be kind of a violet. Sorry to start this conversation yeah. off they're discussing like, colors. They're like a crimson team. <laughs> I have the feeling that people are saying to themselves, oh my word, who are we going to have to li- Oh, it's the blue team. We're in trouble oh, tonight. Dear. Hopefully, they are all ready for the second half of Caliban's War because that's what we're here to discuss tonight. Um, how are you guys feeling? I love it. I'm. I'm. I, it's a. It's a Friday night. We're eating red vines. Stephanie's done for the week, and <laughs> she's been. She's been it's waxing been mo- philosophical about the difference between red vines and Twizzlers. Just out of you know what we ought to do. We ought to do a, a, a an informal poll. Uh, as you listen to this, if you if you have never commented before, comment on whether you think red vines or Twizzlers. That'd be, that'd be That's fun. really what we want to know this put, evening. Put that up on Discord <laughs> under the Corey essay. There uh, you go. Sub Discord. Caliban's war, not that important. But <laughs> Red Vines or Twizzlers, that's what Red we want to know. Red Vines or Twizzlers. Oh my goodness. We are going to have, <laughs> yeah, we yeah. are going to have a good night tonight. <laughs> even, even better. Do you, uh, when you're eating your Red Vines, do you hold them like a cigar or is that just me? Yeah, like no, him. it's just you, Ken. Ken's it's just you. smoking his red vine over there. I hold mine. Poser, stogie, smoker, I don't know. I hold mine <laughs> in a way that I cannot confess that I know how I'm holding it because <laughs> that would be awkward for me to say. I know how doobies are held. And I'm not going um, anywhere close <laughs> okay. to that. Let's go on. Let's go on. <laughs> so uh, last, last time we were called to task for saying uh and um too many times. So Ken and I are working very hard. I think it was pretty much just you. Um, thanks, Ken. I oh, really wait, appreciate I mean, that. Yeah, uh, both of us. Uh, I was like, we're gonna, uh, Ken's, Ken's name was mentioned in there. Uh, we're going to not... Uh, yeah. So we're going to work really hard this time to not have too many uhs, ums, or any of that other kind of stuff. However, no promises. Right. And for those of you who are saying, well, that's just part of Todd's charm, which I think is like two people. And both of them, I think, are related to me. So thank you for those two people. <laughs> but for everybody else, we'll do the best we possibly can. Caliban's War, second installment in The Expanse. What did you guys think? Did, now that it's finished, I mean, and, and recognizing it's been a tough week for Stephanie. <laughs> now that we finished it, what do you think? Did you enjoy it? I enjoyed most of it. You enjoyed um, most of it? I had the same the problem with book two that I had with book one. I had a hard time getting into the book. They introduced new characters that then took a long time to actually introduce, mm-hmm. to find out anything mm-hmm. relevant and important. And so I struggled caring about them. And so all I have is the Holden chapters. And I was like, I want more of Holden because I know him <laughs> and I enjoy him and I like his story. 
So reading the other, the, um, Prax and Bobby. Yeah. And- reading the other point of views was difficult for me, but that was our last podcast. And so now that I finished the second half of the book, it, the pacing picked up a lot faster. I started yeah. caring yeah. more. All of a sudden, all of our points of view were on the same ship. And that helped a lot because then you're you're getting the same story. I feel like I'm getting the same story reiterated like three times yeah, yeah. from a different point of view. So that you get little details from the other characters. But I can't forget what happened in the story because I just heard about it in three different ways. So yeah. the, the pacing was a lot better in the second half of the book, which is the same in the way I felt in the first book. So. Okay. Which is still a fun and interesting uh, little aspect about this story to finish a scene and then reset just a little bit, just rewind just a little bit and get it from the different perspective. I like that. I yeah. like the storytelling aspect of that. I do too. And that only happens when you get everyone on the same ship. Right. It's a, it's a good device. And they, they took their own sweet time getting there <laughs> half the book <laughs> yes. to get there. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, what a, in fact, not even, it was more than half. It was the more book. than half the book, more than half the book. Uh, but yeah, they got there. But in spite of that, Stephanie, you enjoyed it. Yeah, for the most part. Ken? I liked the fact that some of our predictions were paid off almost immediately. <laughs> oh, man. As soon as we finished, there there might have been a few people saying, sure. sure, they looked ahead to see if that was right, right because they never get anything right. Chapter 27. We think it's this, this, and this. Chapter 28. You're right. Yep. I was right. You're right. I was in fact, I think, Todd was paid off almost immediately. I I think the next morning I sent you guys a text saying, yeah. ha ha. Yep. <laughs> Although I, I feel like I was half paid off by saying that Holden going in and just blanket blaming Fred is not going to end well. And oh, it yeah. did not, <laughs> no, it did not end, end at end all well. well. Not only not only for, for his relationship with Naomi, but his relationship with Fred and oh, his, his relationship with everybody. It looked like that was going to go south real fast. Yeah, but, he gained some new friends out of it, though. Uh, yeah, you could call them that. <laughs> <laughs> They're just rogue Martian vessel for hire now. I I will say this: that moment in the book where where Fred says "You're fired," and then it switches, and he's like, and suddenly he felt really good. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, all right, yeah, that's 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 kind of cool. Let's keep holding around. I uh, like holding. It suddenly became like Firefly. Yeah, it did. in. Uh, it, in the the solar system, I find don't know. it, find a job, get paid, yeah. keep flying, only with a lawful good captain instead of one who's maybe chaotic <laughs> neutral, chaotic, chaotic, chaotic neutral. I think he's probably chaotic. Good. I think he's, I think he's probably neutral good. Nah, you think he's pretty chaotic? Okay, tangent time. They even talk about it in Serenity. He fights when he ought to deal. He deals when he ought to fight. Yep. You know, he's, yep. Nobody he's he's untrustworthy. Yes. He's he's very chaotic and Holden I think is is kind of the anti Mal Reynolds in the fact that he is the Boy Scout. Well and, and he's still the Boy Scout, even though he had his little mental trauma and his his come to Jesus moment of, am I good? Am I bad? Am I too much of this? Am I too far gone? You're just fine, dude. You know, one of these days when we have a little bit of time and we are not we're not tied to a book. Maybe we should do a comparison between Firefly and The Expanse, but not today. Oh, yeah. That would be interesting. So, it's been a long time since I've watched Firefly. Oh, yeah. Any excuse, really. So now that we've had a little bit of time and space, no pun intended, um, from from our first installment and our second installment, and, and we're kind of in our we're kind of in our process. Have you felt like your favorite last time we talked about favorite characters, especially favorite new characters? 
Um, anything change? Do you do you still feel like the characters that you were starting to connect with are still the ones that you're that you're that you were connected with all the way through to the end of the book? Yeah. Sorry, um, I had to think about that one. <laughs> mostly I do, mainly because at the beginning of the book, Amos was my favorite character, and at the end of the book, Amos is still my favorite character, but my favorite new character was and still is Bobby. Yeah. I think she's absolutely fun, and she brings a refreshing, wide-eyed look at everything that's going on. Every, everybody is new to us, but everything that everybody is in, even though it's a, it's kind of a new situation in the immediate Everybody's used to this space travel and Mars is here and Earth is here and there are these belters and they all live in the cosmos in quasi sometimes perfect harmony. Maybe yeah. some, but they're all used to it. We're catching up with it. And Bobby just looks at everything still with kind of wide eyed interest because all she knew was I'm a Marine. I blow stuff up. And now she's got this whole new world that she's like, wow. I, yeah. And I love that. I like her refreshing take. That's It's almost like our take. Okay. Bobby definitely grew on me um i still like prax and i love what like prax brings an innocence for me to the book yeah yeah where he he lived a simple life really didn't have high aspirations and now he was thrown into the limelight with um when they did the big video of his daughter and all of a sudden he has all of these people trying to help him find his daughter and now he has this huge thing going on in his life and he still has this air of innocence about him, mm -hmm. which I really enjoyed about Prax. And that's one reason why I loved his point of view and getting to know him. But the more we got to know Bobby, like I loved Bobby. Oh, she yeah. was just so no nonsense. Like, and it wasn't, <laughs> she wasn't even rude about it. It was just, this is the way it is. Yeah. Right. What are you going to do about it? Like, you can't do anything because this is the way it is. I yep. love, I love that she and Alex hit it off immediately. Oh, that was <laughs> the funny 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 in fact we'll 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 probably get a chance to talk about bobby and bobby and amos and bobby and alex and <laughs> yeah just about everybody right um I, and and i guess that makes me the the curmudgeon or the some other some other adjective that we would use to describe people that we don't necessarily care for because i gotta tell you i love avasarla i love christian avasarla more and more as the as the book went on I was like, yep, I like this old bird. <laughs> she and I would get along. Probably not for all the right reasons, but we would get <laughs> along. Um, there was a there were a couple of moments that I found myself saying saying as I was reading through this, I know people like this. And depending on whether or not we are fighting for the same thing, I like them or I despise them. But I understood it. And I'm not sure if that makes me a good human being or a bad human being or just one with a <laughs> yeah. lot of experience, but, but I really liked the way that she was, but, but I think the reason for me that I liked the way that she was written was because she has a very clear separation between who she is about work and what that work piece is all about. It's about protecting humanity and she will do whatever it takes to make sure that humanity comes out on top even if she has to sacrifice some of her own humanity to do it. But she is a totally different person when it comes to her family. Yeah. And I love those tender moments. I swear I am not going to cry today. <laughs> or we could talk about when she got off and that. she met her husband. Go oh. ahead, Todd. Let us know what you feel about that moment. I hate you so much right now. <laughs> because that was one of the moments that I wrote down and I went... I really like this moment, but we better not talk about it because, but I did, I wrote it down. You know, this was, this was home enough that 
I, I have I have been in situations where I have traveled a lot, where I've been away from home for a long time, and I totally related to that moment. That was a very, very powerful moment for me. So I like her. I like the fact that she can she can separate those two halves. Maybe it's not necessarily the way that I'd like to live, but I love the way that character was written. It made it real. It made her real. Having said that, all of these characters are just so much fun. I um, would agree. Bobby, because in fact, um, I, I don't know, maybe we're at a point where we can talk about some favorite scenes that are that came up through the second half of the book. Let's do it. Did you have what? What were your favorite Bobby scenes? Did you have a favorite Bobby scene? I got to think about it for a minute. I loved, <laughs> I, I loved the. Uh, this is the Neanderthal part of my brain, but uh, every every scene after the Rosinante crew meets her for the first time is like, whoa. Uh, I mean, uh, <laughs> hi. You're you're really pretty. <laughs> Yeah, every, you're, you're really big and really pretty. Every, <laughs> every one of them just kind of turns into a puddle of jello, which I I took also as a... Uh, Except for Holden. Well, even Holden. He had to... Holden was distracted, yes. but she could tell the difference. Yes. Yeah. yeah but still, he it was there. And I, I think it did... It did a lot to actually flesh out her character a little bit because up until then you thought she's a big Polynesian woman. And now you find out she's actually, you know, got some, some physical, a big attractive Polynesian some, woman, some physical appeal to yeah. her that she doesn't know about. And more importantly, doesn't care about. She's just, I she's just, just a Marine. I just do my thing. And it's great attitude. Stephanie, but, how about you? Did you have a moment anyway, that you yeah, said, I, Oh yeah, this is the moment that I really liked where Bobby really shined. No, <laughs> but I have a, like I have a scene in my head. Can I say? Oh, go ahead, and I'll say the other one. And I'm one. pretty sure it was with Amos, where she's getting into her suit, and he's just like oogling over her, and <laughs> yes. she makes some comment. And I don't know. She says the word boobies. I think is what it was, <laughs> and that's all I'm thinking of right now. And that's sad because Bobby is such a fantastic character, and that's the scene that I'm thinking of about her and. But anyway. <laughs> So <laughs> my favorite, my favorite Bobby scene was when they're getting ready to go into battle with this little ship that's seriously outmanned and outgunned and they put her in the gunnery chair because she's the gunny, you know, and, and she's like, this is, <laughs> this is what I do. Let me go do my, and man, that just turns into I such a fun scene. I love how easily, sorry. Go. Yeah. Sorry. But how easily she falls into line with the crew and how yeah. it's yeah. like, this is what she does and this is, and we need her. And I really... When she made the comment at, towards the end that she was planning on going back to Mars, I was like, no, stay with the crew. I'm, I'm I want hoping, you with the crew. I'm hoping there's some way that they talk her out of that because because Alex <laughs> says what I was thinking. We need one of those. Yes, we do. Yes. Yeah, we we need one. And I love the way they they, they play with that a little bit. It's like, no, just we need we need somebody who can who can who fire can like that. that, who can be our weps, you know, yeah. and, and <laughs> that whole scene. And then. Uh, he said what I was thinking. I'm like, oh man, I hope she stays on this crew because that would be awesome. Yeah. There were multiple scenes for Bobby that I said that I found myself laughing out loud because I could see it in my head and say, yep, that totally makes sense. <laughs> One of them was the scene where she puts on, she's, she's in her suit. Uh, it's on the, it's on the Mao's pleasure yacht thing. Yeah. And they're taking it over she you know avasara is saying okay i'm being kidnapped will you please take oh, care of this that was an awesome and so she puts on her suit formal wear uh <laughs> and she's and she's walking and then she gets onto the outside of the ship 
and walks up to the bridge and the captain is there and he says, I just want you to know that I have orders to scuttle the ship if you harm any of my people. She's <laughs> like, I don't have any intention of killing any of y'all as long as you let us take the ship over. Fine. The ship is yours. <laughs> I have this I have this beautiful image of my head of this captain staring out and and seeing this this mammoth piece of armor standing there looking at him like you know, I could kill y'all. <laughs> and he says, no, please, please, no, please, no. It was kind of like uh, the Princess Bride. Give us the gate key. I have no gate key. Does it tear his arms off? Oh, this gate key. <laughs> <laughs> very much, very much like it's that. Pretty much just like that. The other one, and uh, again, I listened to the book. And so for me, that helped sometimes because I got to hear somebody else do some of the inflection stuff that I might have done or might not have done. <laughs> And there was one, I played it for my two daughters. I did not play it for my wife because my wife would not have appreciated it. <laughs> but I played it for my two daughters. And it was the scene also on the pleasure, uh, on Mao's pleasure yacht thing where they said, you know, Bobby, do you think you could get closer to the, oh, yeah. to the one guy? And, and she goes, uh, she, she stops and she says, uh, no, hell no. No, yet no, and and starts going no, 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 and a whole bunch, and says, and she only stopped when she ran out of languages, <laughs> and 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 I'm, of course I'm I'm rolling on the floor laughing. My two daughters are laughing as well. They they have my sense of humor. My wife was in the other room saying, "What are you guys laughing at? Nothing, nothing." And and then she gives this quote, and I loved it. She says, "Good because I don't use sex as a weapon." I use weapons as weapons. I'm like, yeah. I love that. <laughs> it's very clear. It's very clear that no matter how you dress Bobby up, she's a Marine. Mm -hmm. And she makes no bones about it. That's just who she is. And it's and it really made her a fun character. Fun to work with, fun juxtapositions. Uh lots of lots of fun moments. But but that was another that was another one of those laugh out loud moments for me that I I'm I in fact I think as I was driving along the road to work that came up and I started laughing and <laughs> had to try and straighten my car out. Uh, so for anybody that I may have frightened on the way on I-15, I apologize. <laughs> Were you as saddened as I was, though it was pretty obviously uh, coming up that she lost the armor? Oh, yeah. I'm a little bummed about that, but it was kind of, you could kind of see it coming. She'll get something better. Oh, oh yeah, she'll get something fine. I mean, it's, it's going to be great. but She'll that, get something way better. Yeah, but that armor was... Sweet. But you know, in a way, um, and and maybe I'm reading too much into this as far as symbolism and all that kind of stuff. But in a way, getting rid of that armor is get, like getting rid of a chrysalis. It's getting rid of a shell. It's letting a new Bobby come out. The Bobby that was trapped by the memory of her dead comrades mm -hmm. and of the fact that she's trapped with the survivor's guilt and the and and all of the things that went before. She can jettison that along with the rest of the armor and start off new. That's that's a large part of the reason why it was kind of obviously coming I, yeah. I thought and and the book flows very episodically if you think yeah. about it like a movie you just you laid out this is scene one scene two scene and all the way through and and at the end that's just kind of what happens and it, it felt very much like you said like this is what is needed for her to let go of the past and move on into this new future that is more than just you know fighting and being a marine okay um so Little Red Book wants to know what we think about the relationship between Bobby and how it evolves between Bobby and Avasarla. Great question. I like her relationship a lot better, or their relationship a lot better than Holden's and Naomi's. 
Of course, we're not you even do. going there yet. Uh, okay, okay, Sorry. we're gonna get we there. We will continue. We will talk about that because I do have things to say about oh, their relationship. Oh boy, sounds like she's got great things to but say. But we're about not talking it. about I, them. I knew right, you would. Right. However, I I liked the way that their relationship evolves from some green subordinate to something more of a mother daughter uh, familiar relationship. I mean, they've been through this situation I mean, this this nightmare situation together this with huge implications for all living things and that's going to obviously is going to bring two people together but i think more than that it seems like she actually uh, avasarla actually likes bobby as a person and didn't she say well she says that the the little girl may reminded her of her grandchildren or something but mm -hmm. didn't she say bobby reminded her of her daughter or in some ways because she reminded her of her son yeah guess, but and and there was another moment in the toward the end of the book where she says she makes the offer and says I'd like to have you as part of my security detail there's mm -hmm. you know there's only a couple of people that I trust and I'm the only friend you have and I and political favors are how I show affection and so she's making this overture to a to a Martian um to be part of her security force in the United Nations um a, a real interesting play politically yeah. Uh, which I think is brilliant, I th and I think it's I think it's very well structured. Um, but her her reason for doing that seems very genuine about Bobby as well as utilitarian for herself. It's political, it's useful, but it's also personal. And I imagine that I all like of that. her Avasarla's all of her decisions are in one point or another or one aspect or another utilitarian. Oh, absolutely. When I, they come to business. Yeah, I don't think that she makes a single a single decision that isn't at least how functional is this going forward for whatever reason. And that's just the nature of her her occupation. Yeah. Her career. What did you think, Stephanie? I think for as their relationship builds, it says more for me, um, the growth of Avasarla as a character. I don't feel like Bobby had a huge character arc no. of of growth. I mean, she does finally come accept who she is and what happened to her yeah. to a point. But I think watching um, when you're when we were first introduced to Avasarla, she's so business, and I love the heart that comes out because I will tell you, as much as you love her, <sighs> I despise her. I know you do. I know you I, do. I she this character Avasarla almost ruined these books for me to the point where I really came close to giving up. Wow. If she doesn't have some, like such important information in her point of view chapters, I would have skipped them because I can't stand her. Is it that you can't stand the way that she's written or you can't stand the swearing that was written in or a little bit of both? It's a little bit of both. Okay. I can't stand listening to the way she talks, how they portrayed her because her is a character I love. I love the depth of her and I want to love her, but I can't, I just cannot stand listening to her. Yeah, you can't get past it. I'm pretty sure that they used the F word five times on one page. And I got to the point where I'm like, I'm, I felt like I was becoming like this prude listening to her. I'm like, I'm not a huge, I don't have a huge problem listening to swearing in books, but I felt like they just went above and beyond with her character to the point where I was like, She's an intelligent woman. If yeah. she's going to swear, mix it up. Use any other. I don't <laughs> even care how what it is. Just give her some other 
dialogue besides that one word. That's where I was getting frustrated. Yeah, yeah. But I do, I love the depth of her character. So I, as much as I despise her, um, I really don't, I guess. So that's how I feel between the two of them is because how much she shows and ca- look grows to care for Bobby. Because at the beginning, you could tell that it was just, I need this woman yeah, to, yeah. to get where I need to get to. She's she's a piece. Yeah. And at, by the end, it was like, you are my friend. I care about you. I care what your plans are for the future and what you're going to do with yourself. So I do love how, and maybe it's just the fact that you get to know Avasarla more through Bobby, that you can see how their relationship deepens as the story goes on. One yeah. of the things that I, one of the things that, and maybe I'm catching this a little bit because I've now... I've now gone back and watched uh, the first season of The Expanse on Amazon Prime and finally finished it. I wa- I'd watched about half of it before we started our books. And so then by the time I got into, by the time we read Leviathan Wakes, I had only, I had only seen probably three episodes or four episodes. Mm-hmm. And so I've. It makes a lot more sense after you've read book two. I've watched, I've watched a little bit more and have I have you, have you watched it at all, Stephanie? The Expanse? Yeah. I've gotten through. I think I have gotten through a season and a half. I think I finished where the first book ends okay. in this season. Okay. So it's like halfway through season two, I think, is that, where... That yeah. lady who plays Avasarala in the TV show, that's how I always kind of pictured her. She... she with the, that she, gruff voice. That's how know. I picture her now. Yes. <laughs> well, she's, yeah. done a, she's done a good job with the character. Oh, and, I love it. And let's be fair, the television show, the, the television series that was produced by Sci-Fi and picked up by Amazon Prime really is very different from the books the the there's there are lots of similarities but they are different mm-hmm. and so yeah. you know be be aware of that if you have not already picked them up if if you're like me and you like to read first read first and then go watch it and you'll be able to that's why have i haven't picked up the rest of the expanse yeah i yeah. was reading book two i didn't want to yeah me too that's why i haven't as well by the way uh here's a chance to promote uh, craig i think his live uh live feed on or his live youtube his live discussion, views? yeah, on uh, Thursday evenings, just finished season one of The Expanse. Oh, good. So I'm guessing they're going to pick up into season two now that we are finishing up book two. Yeah, so that'll be fair. Um, so tune into that but Thursday nights. As as we look at as we look at what goes on in the the way that those characters are portrayed, one of the things, and I'm not sure how much we get of we get a glimpse of it in the book, and how much I'm weaving the book and the series together. But I think that Avasarala sees in Bobby a lot of characteristics of her son that she's missed. That she figures this would be how my son was. Mm-hmm. He would have gone into the in, into the navy. He would have gone into the in a military service. He would have done all of these kinds of things. And so I think there's really a there's there's really a tenderness that grows from partly from that is that it's not just Bobby, but it's it's this feeling that. Maybe she's the surrogate. Maybe maybe that's the replacement. Maybe maybe it gives Avasara a chance to have some closure for those things that she never got a chance to deal with with her son. Yeah. Again, I don't know if that's I don't know if that's part of what you were thinking with that relationship too. But it was it was something that I I connected somewhere along the line, and I thought, oh, I wonder if that's part of it. I could see that. I could understand. So let's talk about um, other favorite scenes and other characters. Um, was there enough punching in this book? Oh my gosh! <laughs> Especially in the second half. Oh my goodness! That uh, everything about the space, the space battle was just amazing. I, I thought, and I, 
obviously space combat is theoretical at best. You, there is no such thing as concrete evidence for what real space battle looks or what yeah, we, we real no space warfare yet. looks like. No However, this is a lot of what I would think bona fide space warfare would look like in terms of of uh, integrated ships. What do the red dots mean? What do the green dots mean? Those are the Martians. Those are the Earthlings. Which ones are on our side? I don't know. And so they figure out a network way. Souther fi figures out a network way to connect them all. So the white dots are the ones that are on our team. A and the communications aspects, that's just one That's just one part of very complex, what would be very complex. Uh, I, I'm, try, I'm sorry, I know the ums and uhs, but I, I can't figure out the, what the word is. Uh, a very complex situation, though, yeah. it, which is space warfare and, and just the way that all the pieces were working together and, and having everybody in their actual element, having Bobby, just having Bobby alone <laughs> made the thing so much fun, you know, you know, and this is one of the things that, that uh, earlier Craig and I reviewed some novels by Jack Campbell. Yeah. Uh, Dauntless, right? Dauntless, the, the lost fleet mm -hmm. where again, lots of, lots of space battle, a very different take on it but again this idea of what is it that space battle is really going to look like and a different pre a different presentation some similar aspects that are involved but some really fun things to have to deal with time delays and you know how do you sit there for the the scene with alex and bobby where there's where she says i hate for a fight to start do you have any games on this thing <laughs> <laughs> and and when alex goes yep I spy with my little eyes something beginning with D. And I'm thinking to myself, yep, the old ones never go away, <laughs> do they? I play that in the car with my son yep. all the time. There are days that the kids, I mean, our kids are grown. And sometimes they'll be like, I'm bored. I spy with my little eye. And they're all like, Dad, shut up. But it just doesn't go away. Stephanie, how did you, I mean... Are you really a punching gal? She's still laughing about what? I Spy. Really? I know. This is my life. Really? You have to ask me that? You Do you think I'm a punching gal? No, no, but you haven't spoken, so Aww. I figured I'd give you a chance. <laughs> you could be a punching gal. I really have not much of an opinion. Would you rather talk about the relationship between Holden <laughs> and Naomi? Anyone. Let me talk about a relationship <laughs> between anyone other than... I, I just don't follow... I have a hard time visualizing what some of these battle scenes would look like. Yeah, okay. So I don't get immersed in them as much as others might. Like Ken. Why are you looking at <laughs> like me? Like Ken? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, could I you just... <laughs> say that with more disdain? Yes, so, she could. I she could. say with my <laughs> word that starts with a D. <laughs> Oh, dude, don't. Well, My we, goodness. We should just delete I, that. Anyway. Delete. That's I, the word I was thinking of. I delete. really, I really, I, I, okay, we're going to switch gears then. We're going to oh, switch gears. Gosh. So, and back to your question. I do not, I have a hard time visualizing these, those kind of things. So I don't follow those chapters as well. Like mm -hmm. I can understand this is a battle. Someone is shooting at someone else. I, I get the very basic idea of what's going on. And that's, it was about as far as I go. So it's just me reading the chapter to find out, okay, they won the battle or this happened during the battle, not necessarily the excitement of the battle. Okay. Yeah. So. No, I get it. I get it. <laughs> do we want to address combat wombats questions? Absolutely. Or do we he want to talk about, several. or do we want to talk about Holden and Naomi? 
Let's let's let let's address <laughs> let's address some questions. We'll talk Sweet. briefly about Holden and Naomi, and then we'll do something different. All right, go ahead, Stephanie. I'll let you. What are we doing? Uh, combat, combat wombat. wombat. Yeah. Okay, so his first question. I'm assuming his. Ooh, lots of questions. Yeah. Look, yeah. There's he, there's a handful of them, um, especially regarding the proto molecule. Oh, sorry. Let me f- actually read. Let's skip that question. Sorry. Stephanie's reading, so hold on. I'm that, starting that at of, periods, and that didn't make any sense to me. That like, one kind of uh, involves predictions, predictions we'll, for book three. Sorry, oh, we'll okay. get back to we'll that get one. Back to that. So favorite character in book two we've talked about. Um, do you think that Corey's idea of what humanity would do in the face of something like the protomolecule is accurate? Um, and then he states, because instead of focusing on this alien thing, they are still still fighting and not able to unite. Yeah. This is the question that I thought was interesting because uh, we found out almost immediately what you predicted was true, that yep. Mao gets a piece of the protomolecule and the rich, um, the people with all of the influence and all the power, they don't care about... They don't. Advancing humanity, they care about what can this do for me? What can this do for my power and my influence and everything? And it's a tale as old as time. It really is. I mean, you can see it today. And yeah, I know. Beauty and the Beast. Um, <laughs> I was singing it in my head too. But, but you still have people who will say, this is wrong. You can't do this. And I, I feel actually a little bit better about the way it was resolved it probably was was resolved too cleanly for what would actually happen in real yeah. life but i i liked how quickly it was was resolved with we have this this battle and we're on the winning side so now we can go and we have all this evidence against mao and against protogen or whatever the next generation of protogen is and now those people are i i liked the way that was handled but i also think that that does speak for kind of the universal nature of humanity. I, this is more philosophical than I want to get, but no, it, let's go. It, it feels like a universal truth that somebody who has power will strive to continue to, to keep and grow their power. And there will be people who still find the good in, in humanity in general and will pull together a little bit. And that's what we get here a little bit. The interesting thing for me is not necessarily that question. Do people want to, do people in power want to keep their power? In fact, Avasarl at the, uh, when she's talking to Mao says very, very clearly, of course I'm going to take, or no, no, she's talking to James Holden. I can't remember who she's talking to, but she said, oh, of course I'm going to take the position because if I don't take the, oh, she was talking to Bobby. Mm -hmm. Of course I'm going to take the position because if I don't take the position, then everybody thinks I'm not hungry enough to be feared anymore. And so I won't be able to do anything. Right. The question for me is not, will that is not whether or not people who are in power will they work to stay in power the question for me is always the intent and in avasarala we're being presented with an individual whose intent is to better humanity to try and keep humanity stumbling forward and in mao you've got an individual whose intent is to better himself at the expense of humanity now Column, in fact, there was a line that she did where she said she was talking with uh, Prax at the end and she said, reputation never has very much to do with reality. She says, I know some paragons of virtue that you wouldn't be able to stand them if you were able to be in the room with them. And I know some people that are vilified 
that are some of the best people on the planet. And then she says, no one is who they are on screen when you breathe their air. Yeah. And, and I think what we see oftentimes, I, I've struggled with this a lot over the last 10, maybe 15 years, as I've gotten to know some people that I thought I respected. And then I found out that as individual human beings, I don't respect them at all, but yeah. I may respect some of the things that they try to make happen. I just don't necessarily like them. And there are some people that I really like that when I get to know them a little bit better, I kind of go, wow, you really are all about you. It's only about you. There is nothing about anything if it's not about you. That's kind of icky. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm not saying that's about all my friends or all the people that I've gotten to know, but but that perception I think is spot on. And the the the, the larger question is, how screwed are we going to be as a species if the wrong people find these kinds of technologies? And unfortunately, it kind of always seems like, at least as they're played out in books and movies and stuff that we watch, unfortunately, it always seems to be the wrong people <laughs> who get a hold of these technologies. Right. I think they are spot on. And if and if there is a if there is a level two piece of this story, one of those big level two pieces is we really need to be careful about who we put in power, when we put in power, and about the checks and balances that we have for people who are in positions of power that we do not put them in. Mal Quick, uh, Jules Mal, who gets to his power because of his vast control of the machinery of of merchandising and, and the mercantile side of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he makes a lot of money. And that all of a sudden makes him extremely powerful. Well, we better have some pretty strong checks and balances against those people becoming too powerful in this case. Avasarla is the check, uh, the check and balance against his power, and it almost destroys the solar system in the process. Well, we also have those two admirals, and I cannot remember either Nguyen of their and names. Sutter. Southern, yes. Southern Wynn. Yeah. Um, during the big battle, and they're both battling, saying, I'm here legally, and they are wrong, and the other one's saying the same thing. I'm here legally, and they are wrong. Yes. And it took them, basically the protomolecule, being released on the ship and even the captain was the admiral was still going it was it was Nguyen right it was, Nguyen, Nguyen. Yeah. was saying take me yeah I don't care what happens with anything else but take me with you mm-hmm. um, and then he gets his head blown off in true Miller fashion which yeah yeah congratulations for you know bringing resurrecting Miller just long enough to make that <laughs> one happen right so or channeling Miller I guess we should say it, it, well channeling for now we'll get to the other we'll get to the, <laughs> we'll get to the resurrection later <laughs> but i think what they've done here as authors is that they are telling more of a story about humanity yeah. and not so much a story about aliens attacking i mean yeah. there are aliens in this this story plot line we have the protomolecule that's changing who knows who into who knows what Boy, there's a lot coming up with that. We, in fact, Holden makes a statement uh, that's that's really kind of interesting, and it, it it like you say, Stephanie, it kind of summarizes the idea that this is it's a story about what we've done. When he says, uh, maybe we have more in common. He, <laughs> I wrote this down when he was uh, talking about the proto molecule masters. I thought you'd get a kick out of that one uh, when he says, "Yeah, they well, they may want to kill everything when they move in, but we've been doing that ever since the invention of the spear." They're just scary good at it. Yeah. That's kind of the history of humankind. 
And now all of a sudden it's being done on a species level against us. Hmm. But I love that this is this is what the story is about. It's about humanity and where we've gone to the future. Mm -hmm. I mean, because now instead of you have all of these separate countries, now you have planets, you have the the people from Earth, you have the Martians, you have the Belters, and they're all their own world. And that's who we're now battling against. And that's really what the big story is. Yeah. It's not about the protomolecule because really they left those to fly into the sun and no one seemed to bother about them. It's like, no, we're too busy fighting amongst ourselves to realize that there's a bigger threat when they easily as authors could have chosen to write about the bigger threat. And I mean, we probably will get there. Obviously predictions Uh, that the proto molecule is going to become a bigger deal, but is, is that still going to be able to unite humans as yeah. right well as know, what we are as the belters are is everyone going to be able to come together to battle this bigger evil than just ourselves i think the question is a the, the question is not only valid but it's very very timely there are lots of things that we could be uniting as peoples about whether we want to talk about political divisions we want to talk about geographical divisions We want to talk about ideological divisions. There are lots of things that we could find common ground and get behind and really work to create a more stable civilization for this this pretty little blue ball that floats through space. (laughs) But we are still so petty as a a species. So frequently we are so petty that uh, I think what they've done is they've, they've pushed that forward and said, I'm not sure anything's going to change. Let's just make the stakes a little bit higher. <laughs> yeah. And maybe that's a little bit sad. Maybe that's a little bit negative, but I think it makes for some great storytelling and for some really good introspective work to say, hmm, and bridging from a level two to a level three. So what does that mean for me? What is that? What does all of this mean about what it means to be human? That's part of the reason that in spite of the fact that Avasaral is really rough around the edges and uses power alternately like a scalpel and like a battering ram. Her focus is how do we help humanity move forward and survive? And let's do whatever is necessary for that. That's a really big question and it's a really hard one to answer. Uh, I hope we get a chance. I hope she's involved in book three because I would imagine she'd has to, I think there's a lot. Well, you know, there's a lot more that we can learn. So, I want to know, is Prax involved in book three, do you think? I don't know. That's a that's a prediction. Uh, I don't know that he will be. I think that Prax is, Prax was a plot device Yeah. to try and keep things moving forward. Yeah. It's one thing to look for a little girl. It's another thing to have a father looking for his little girl. And so from that standpoint, Prax becomes a real, uh, a real useful piece of the puzzle. Yeah. I'm not sure that he's useful in the rest of it. However... I like the fact that he's going to be the face of Ganymede and rebuilding everything on Ganymede. For right. The- I think if he shows up, it's going to be as a, as a background character, side yeah, character so. in that position as the, the solar system has to decide how they are going to come together. Yeah. Um, so we're talking more like book four, book five kind of issues maybe. in my mind. Maybe. Yeah. Where he might show up as 
oh yeah, remember this character I introduced you to that you all really liked? Right. Well, he's still around doing yep. some great things kind of idea. I don't think he's going to be a big player in the rest of the story. Probably I don't, not. I don't think so either. And I was I was excited for him to be part of the crew, but then when it became clear that he wasn't going to continue on as part of the crew, which makes sense, I mean, because he gets his daughter back and they're not going to have the two of them on this ship that's, you know, pulling escort duty throughout the rest of the solar system. So that right. it, it just makes at sense. At least that he for now. At least for now. Unless and, I could watch Amos with May for a few more oh chapters because that was really cute. <laughs> the the giant roughneck with the heart of gold. So did you did you feel like we got a little bit different view? Did you like the view that we get of Amos? Finding out a little bit more about him? Yes. When he talks, when he's talking to, who's he, who was he talking to when he talks about the squeeze play or the squeeze trade? Well, he, well, he, he talks about Prax, it a couple times, a couple different times, but he was talking about, he was talking to Prax because this was after the smear campaign. Yeah. Uh, they, they start their, their solar system wide GoFundMe campaign to help him find his little girl and, and get some money to, for that. And then the smear campaign comes out because that's what happens when you start dealing with political figures people with power, they decide to go for the smear tactic, which worked just fine. And, and fortunately he had somebody in power behind him that he could, he could withstand that. But when very ugly, this is, this is kind of part of the problem with the way that communication works these days. And it's just amplified in this book. And I think amplified very well is that the truth that there, there's the truth. And then there's the, the message and, more often than not, it is very easy for a lie to be disseminated and absorbed far faster than it is for the truth to get out there. And by the time the truth actually gets out, there's, there's a saying uh, that we always said in news is that a lie can travel the globe before the truth gets out of bed. Yeah. Yeah. And that's very much, very much true. And it, and it doesn't matter that the truth got out there first. The lie is, is more sensational especially when it's horrendous because you don't want to believe it. And yeah. this is where Amos comes from is he has seen firsthand the things that Prax is now being accused of. So it makes complete sense that he would try to make sure if you actually are this monster that has done these things, then there's no way that I'm going to let you live, let alone deal with you. And yeah. I thought, I thought the way that that was handled was fantastic, especially in the sense that he, he comes to trust Prax. Prax gives him his answer and he goes, okay, I believe you. I'm good with that. And Prax turns it back around on him and says, wait, you would deal with me if I were this kind of monster? <laughs> oh, heck no. I'd throw you out there. I'd throw you out, I'd throw you out the airlock. <laughs> I love that. I love that response. I love both the response and the counter response. That entire sequence was great. Amos, I, I love how you say he has a heart of gold. Amos really is this genuine, he, he's almost the... He's almost more naive in some ways, more more innocent in some ways as far as who he is and what he values and the fact that he's just going to do what's right than I think a lot of other characters. I think Amos is just simple. Yeah. And not simple-minded simple yeah, by any no. means because he's not, but just simple. Yeah. He's just, yeah. he has simple desires, simple, like he just has a simple path of between right and wrong. He knows this is how I feel. Yep. And, and he it, doesn't make a big drama about yeah, it. His value system is secure and it's absolute. Yeah, and and maybe that's the best way to describe it. When I'm, that's what I'm thinking of when I think of innocent. Yeah, there's not. He doesn't live in shades of gray. He lives in and and 
he's clear about which things are violations and which things aren't. He's finding hookers when he's on Tyco <laughs> station. He's gambling. He'll and he kills people when they get in the way when they need killing. <laughs> but at the same time, I'm kind of like he's just a nice guy, though. He's the kind of guy that would scare me a little bit, but I kind of <laughs> want him around. You know, you have to have somebody in your foxhole with you to probably be Amos. They're some of my favorite friends. They are because <laughs> once you learn that they're not as scary. To the people they trust. And that their loyalty is secure. Like, yeah, yeah, it's it's great having those kind of people on your side that are appear scary to everyone else. <laughs> you know what? Probably for us, because we feel like we resonate with their value systems, we don't worry about them finding out things about us that would make them decide that we are not worth being <laughs> around. Because we're all pretty simple folk too. And so that makes a that makes a difference. So, um, were there any other, okay, we haven't talked at all about Naomi and Holden. Okay. I have a question Okay, and it has, I don't want to hear about Holden or their relationship. Ken, I want to know your opinion about Naomi as a character. I love her as a character. Just her. Oh yeah. I think she's fantastic. I, I love that she has a complex history. I love that she is brilliant. Um, and that she has basically pulled herself out of horrible situations, horrible circumstance to really become this, this critical piece of, well, this crew that we're following, but the crew that we followed for three or four chapters before their ship got blown up too, she has proven to be capable and, and brilliant and loyal. And she has a moral compass. She, I think, I think Naomi is a fantastic character. I've, I've always loved the character. You don't like her. I love her. Oh, okay. And I think, but you thought I wasn't going to like her. No, I was just curious. Oh, okay. Because for all of those reasons is why I think that the relationship between her and Holden had to be in the book. Um, I think we made a, you made a comment, I don't remember if it was in the first, when we were discussing the first book, or it might have been the last one, where you were saying, why did they have to have a romantic relationship? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, oh, I, I did say that in the first book. Yeah, I, you, you questioned why does it even need to be a romantic relationship? Yeah, because I was content with them just being crewmates and, and being friends and, and her, well, and, and I get that she needs to be his Jiminy Cricket a little bit. You know, he's got to be, she's got to be his moral clarity in this book, maybe not going forward because uh, maybe he's, he's stabilized a little bit, but... Mm. Maybe. But in this book, she needed to be the clarity that he needed. And, and so I get that. And you can't do that if they're just crewmates. I think. However. <laughs> oh, like, boy. Here I we still, go. I, don't I still like don't this. have to like it. So, okay, go on. But I, for me, I think it, it has to be a romantic relationship. There's something between relationships, whether it was like a family member, where you have unconditional love compared to. I don't want to say conditional love because I don't believe that's what Naomi and Holden have. No, I don't think so either. But falling in love with someone still has conditions as you are building the trust of the relationship. Mm -hmm. As opposed to like when you have your brother or sister or just mm -hmm. family kind of thing. Because I kept thinking about this going, okay, Ken asked, why does this have to be a romantic relationship? <laughs> and I think it grows Holden's character as both a captain and how he treats those around him, I think it's important between his relationship that we got to know him with um, Miller 
and the changes that kind of came over him after Miller died. Sa- he died. Sacrificed, died. Himself. He died. sacrificed died. himself. There we go. That's a better way to put that. But there's something about a romantic relationship that I think moved him forward. And with Naomi, she was not only his moral compass, especially when he started acting too much like Miller. Mm-hmm. And she said, I'm done. I don't, I don't want to be a part of you. That it took someone of that stance in a relationship to make Holden realize what was happening with him. Yeah, yeah. I also think it gives him something to live for as well, something to die for. Yeah. You know, one of the things that it's, it's really, we talk about, when we talk about romance, we use the, we use the word in lots of connotations. It is terribly romantic, especially in literature and some other things to sacrifice yourself for someone else. But it is so much more touching and I think so much more compelling to recognize that you have to go through difficult things, but you do it because you want to be reunited. Prax with May gives us one view of that. And then there's a moment where Holden says that he wants to feel that way, uh, that he wanted to feel like there was somebody that he wanted to get back to. Mm-hmm. And then he realizes, oh, it's it's Naomi. Yeah, that's that's my That's where I wanna be. And when he realizes that he's jeopardizing that, that makes him have to have to change, have to grow. It gives a big piece to his character arc. And I think it makes that character growth not only necessary and possible, but believable. Because I don't think that Holden becomes a better person for humanity. He becomes a better person for Naomi. Well, and I think that's what all of us want in a relationship mm-hmm. is we need to find someone who makes us better and that's what i love about the relationship between holden and naomi i mean there's when everyone thinks that they're going they're going into battle and they're going to die and they're going to send um prax and naomi off on the razorback right and holden pretty much says prax because he has a child that he's looking for and naomi just because i said so and no one questions it nope and he's willing because that in that moment you see he is willing to die for her and she obviously has some some reservations about just up and leaving everyone and then they discuss it and that doesn't happen. But then at the end when he's going on to whatever other ship he went on to mm-hmm. with the proto molecule, they were there's a conversation between the two of them where he basically says, Help me get back to you. Yes. Where she knows he she's going to be on the calm the entire time because he can't do this alone, but he has to go alone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And it was just, there's so many sweet moments between the two of them that I think just pushes Holden forward to where, what we want him to be as a captain, as a person. I mean, he is that Boy Scout with this straight line of morality, but there's just so much more heart and depth to him that we only learn through his relationship with Naomi. One of the, one of the moments that I highlighted was in chapter 39 when they get back together it's before they but it's after after they've after tycho station after they've been fired after they go and and they and and he says are we back together and she says well maybe and then a few chapters later yeah okay they're back together (laughs) uh but the the writers say you know after they're after they've made love again says holden could see that there would that there 
could easily have been a direction where this didn't happen and there would have been years of sexual partners, but he never would have felt this. And he says, and after all, it's really not just about the sex. It's about that feeling of completeness. And I, I'm not going to say that I cried, (laughs) (laughs) but I am going to say that, that that's a, a feeling that I resonated with. And I, re- I really loved it. And I think they did a very good justice on that. Well, and as much as I've talked about Holden and his growth as a character, I think it also says something for the way that he they wrote Naomi. She is a strong female character. And someone. it's not that she's the damsel in this distress. She's not a princess. I mean, I love the moment when he says, I love you. And then you find out that she never says it back when he says it first. He yep. knows that right. she... That, I mean, she has said, I love you to him. But... She just doesn't say it back because he expects it. Like she's definitely still her own person. Yep. And yep. a strong woman that they just didn't write her just for Holden, that she's still very much a character and an important one in her own right. Right. Now I think that was my biggest complaint about the relationship at the beginning. Is that I my preconceived thought was he's the captain, she's the girl. Of course they're <laughs> going to get together. Oh my gosh, why do we have to write this in every single story? And then it becomes an actual relationship and through the second book, it becomes meaningful and, and they grow together. And that's great. You know, and that that's <laughs> fine. They pay off the relationship and that that's good. I was afraid that it was just going to become a, you know, a thing because, well, the, the parts of the story element or the story elements are there, so it's got to happen. And, and it didn't become that. So I'm, I'm glad about that. I'm glad that the, the relationship actually became something th- that was meaningful. And in then the story. in book four, once Bobby hooks up with someone, we will discuss what Ken thinks of Bobby and her relationship. Yes. Well, uh, my <laughs> probably not. One of my, one of my favorite lines from the end of the book is where Avasarala is saying to Bobby, I'm your only friend. And then she stops and says, Amos and Alex don't count. <laughs> They're both trying to get into your pants. Right. And Aren't you she, trying to get into my pants? And then she says, Aren't you? <laughs> that was my COVID-19 cough. Um, <laughs> sorry, should not joke about that. I apologize. Yeah. I'm not joking about We're that. so I offended. Have a little bit of bronchitis going on. I apologize. Timing was just bad. Should we talk about predictions? Uh, I, unless we've got an, any other questions from Combat Wombat that we need uh, to talk about. Nope, Pretty much the the predictions one. about the proto-molecule. Me, yeah, right. we do I'm, have, they want to know um, what our predictions are about the proto-molecule. Um, let's see. We've talked about Holden's character changes. So I think we've covered everything from Discord. From Discord. So predictions. I think I've thrown out a lot of mine throughout the episode. I still, I'm still waiting for uh, Fred to take the proto molecule and become super proto molecule man. Oh, it's not going to happen. I know happen. it's not. And it was, it, it was silly when I said it. it just was we were just Ugh. playing along. But however. The uh, proto molecule turns everybody into Spider Man symbiotes. Good job on no, uh, good job by vomit you. Vomit zombies. Vomit zombies. That's zombies. right. Good job by you picking out that the kids with the immuno the uh, immunosuppressed kids were being used to uh, become hybrids with the with the proto molecule uh, symbiotes. That was that was good job by you. Thanks. I think that uh, with all of the activity happening on Venus and with this new space whale. I don't space whale proto molecule <laughs> space whale that just shows up all of a sudden. Uh, I think 
I think that Venus starts flexing its cosmic muscle, and I think that that's what brings the belt and Mars and Earth together, uh, or at least starts to. I think we start to see that. Nothing unites people like a common enemy. Yep, like a common enemy with overwhelming force. Yeah. Or with overwhelming power. And I think that Miller is back because I, I think there might be two factions of space aliens. I don't know if that's true or not. I think okay. I think maybe this this whale, space whale, is like the pure alien, and Miller is some kind of Miller Julie alien hybrid um, star child from two thousand one, a space odyssey type being who actually cares about humanity and wants to kind of help. I think that I I I see where you I see where you're going. I I wondered. I wondered if we were going to see Julie as well as Miller. Um, I think I, I, I think I'm with you that that there is that there is a piece of humanity that is left, and that piece of humanity that is that is left, or that that was able to stay with the protomolecule on Venus is fighting for humanity. So I don't know exactly how that turns up. I think we are going to find out that. The United Nations knew a lot more than they were letting on and that Avasarala is going to spend a lot of time pulling apart the network of people that were trying to build the protomolecule and that it's still alive and festering. So much level two political intrigue. I think there's going to be more. I, I mean, obviously, the Rosinante is going to be in the middle of it all. So this is I don't know if this is a real prediction. Like, I don't know if I really believe this. But the thought just crossed my mind. Is Miller really alive? Could this just be some video feed that he has, that has finally been sent to Holden or something along those lines that he recorded in his last moments as the ship is crashing Two towards? Two years ago as the ship was yeah, crashing? Oh, like, that's good. Now that it's past the atmosphere or whatever, it was finally released that's because they talk that about, good. I don't know. Like I said, I don't know if I really believe that that's true. Like, this is what I say. This is how it's going to happen. This sure. is my prediction. It's just a thought I had throwing it out there. That's a good thought. Own so, it. Own it. That's a good thought. I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. That's just another option to look at. If that's true, I'll be like, that's shocked, I guess. <laughs> I don't think we've seen but. the last of Bobby. Uh, no, I don't Certainly either. not. I think Absolutely she's going to be not. a character that's going to be around. I think there's going to be a lot of political crap that Avasarla is going to have to deal with back on her own turf, which I think is going, you're, we're going to learn more of her strengths. Mm -hmm. um, there's going to be so much more swearing. <laughs> so much more swearing. Yeah, but not if the kids are around. That was funny. That was hilarious. <laughs> Oh my gosh, that was hilarious. When they she you wanted to, to swear in When front they of the tell kids. you to play catch, they don't be doing it with the with the <laughs> child. <laughs> I was like, "Oh, Stephanie will like that." Um, That's I hilarious. still hope Bobby becomes part of the the crew on the, the Rosanante. Crew, I do too. Cuz I would love to see the dynamic between her and what we've already built with the crew um continue to grow cuz I think she could be a good point of view for their story. I was thinking I uh, through the middle of this book I feel like they really need to um 
start fleshing out some of the areas of that Rosinante crew that they don't have right now. I think we're going to... Such gonna... as a medical officer. <laughs> Maybe. I'm kind of surprised they don't that have That they haven't had since Shed, you know... Since we lo he lost yeah, his head. Lost his head. Pretty sure everyone loses their head. Like, there's been several heads cut off or right. blown yep. off. Blown off. So, I mean, they could use a weapons officer, which I would be awesome if Bobby, you know, just happened to stick around, but... I think we're going to find out more about uh, Naomi's background. We've gotten little glimpses but in the in the first book, we got a lot. We we got a lot more about Miller and Holden. We started to learn about them, you know, the Montana connection, and for for Holden and his family, and that he was really a really a kid. You know, he was really born. Wow, that doesn't happen very <laughs> often. In this one, we found more about Amos and about what drove Amos to the belt. I think in the next one, we find out more about Naomi and about so. what I hope her. So what her background really is. And I wonder if finding out about that background isn't going to be something that is a strain on the relationship between Naomi and Holden. Well, we already know that Holden wants kids and Naomi doesn't seem all that keen on the mm. idea. That's a part of it. Maybe that's maybe that's the piece. Maybe it's something else altogether. Well, I'll be interested to see. And I think that uh, Fred Johnson and the OPA would factor quite a bit into Naomi's background. Obviously, I'm because obviously where she comes from, but I'm I'm interested to see what more they can do with Fred Johnson because he's not going to be just a bit player off to the side. Nope, sitting Fred, around on Tycho Station ruling his little empire. Especially because at the end of the book, they give him that moment where he blows up all of the proto molecule soldiers mm -hmm. flying toward the sun. So it's it's very obvious now that we are no longer a two superpower group we are a three superpower group yeah mostly because the other two superpowers kind of destroyed themselves uh over io well and i think the other thing that could happen is bobby has the opportunity to give us a viewpoint of what's happening on mars during all of this which we really haven't because we yet. know what's happening with the un and we have avasarla in the middle of all of that we have a lot of people in the belt to find out what's happening with the belters. There's no real viewpoints from Mars right now. Yeah. And how Mars is handling That's all of this. That's a really good insight. So That'd I think be very interesting to see. Bobby, depending on, I mean, because she is kind of a traitor, that might play into something. From a certain point of view. Um, depending on how they want to trust her, if she decides to go home. Um, that she could be a definite viewpoint of what Mars, how Mars is handling everything that's happened. So. Absolutely. Well, I think there, I, and I think there's probably uh, a bunch of other things that, that that we will discover that we haven't even thought are big deals yet. <laughs> and there's probably some people that are saying to themselves or yelling at their speakers right now, oh, for crying out loud, I can't believe you guys missed this big lead in and blah, 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 and wait until book three. We've heard it all before. And luckily for us, we're not discouraged by that. We're generally <laughs> encouraged because it means that yeah, there's more stuff that we got to find. So we love waiting till book three. We're going to jump into book three. We're going to start reading through that. Uh, you guys are ready for one more? As long as we don't have to worry about trying <laughs> to take 15 chapters to get to know these new characters. Yeah. Uh, I'm ready, Stephanie. Please don't introduce four more new characters in book three. <laughs> I don't think I can handle it. Well, maybe we introduce... One, maybe, but... Maybe we reintroduce Miller. Yeah, that, that'd be fine. I the like The new Miller. and improved Miller Julie. Ooh. Yeah, that'd be weird. 
That might be but weird, but it might be fun. That's my biggest problem. Don't introduce new characters. Star Child Miller. Well, I think <laughs> I think we've got uh, I think we've we've got some excitement building up for this next book. We'll see how it goes. And we've got some excitement coming up between books too. We do have some excitement coming up for between books. You want to talk about that, Ken? I'm not going to give away too much, but let's just say that the Dresden we saw in Leviathan Wakes is not the only Dresden we'll be discussing <laughs> in the near future. There is certainly more Dresden to discuss. So those of you that have been waiting for us to have a little bit of fun with Dresden, yeah, we got a short one coming up for you. Yeah. And then we'll, uh, but let's, as you know, suffice to say, the other group is working their way through, they're working their way through the Lord of the Rings right now. Uh-huh. And we're going to be working our way through more of the expanse. There's lots of stuff going on. And and the girls have picked up a book. So oh, there should oh, be that's right. an episode with the women so coming out soon. There is lots to follow on the Legendarium as we get warmed up into the spring. So for those of you that are looking forward to that, we've got plenty for you to look for. Thanks very much for joining us. We'll see you on the next edition of the Legendarium. Um, red vines are pretty tasty. Yeah, they are. Yep. I prefer Twizzlers, just for next. Do you time. really? I really do. I huh. can go either way. Take that as you will. I've <laughs> heard that about you. This is what we're discussing this evening: <laughs> Twizzlers <laughs> versus red vines. Yeah. What is your opinion? That's what we're discussing. <laughs>